to, but we got to just come in here full of expectation, full of life. We're alive. Praise the Lord. Woo. Woo. We're alive. We're alive today. We've had some really special people die lately. And that's sad. And I miss them. But we're alive. We're still here. Praise the Lord. We sing. We worship. We praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What you guys just did for me, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's more than a ritual. That's more than a routine. Well, I guess we better pray. for No, that is the power of God on display. What, what that is, is when you're anointing me with oil, you're saying, God, would you give him exactly what he needs to do what you've called him to do? And like in Antioch, remember where they sent him out, but they said, but you got to come back because we want to hear the good report. Church, I'm coming back with a good report, right? There's expectation of what God's going to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for praying for me. That was so encouraging. Jeremy, that word you gave me about getting my hands dirty. Thank you for that. If the flight is canceled, I'm just going to have to go in my garden or something. I'm getting dirty. I, I like that, Jeremy. I like that. It's hard to do that when you're just at your desktop, you know, or your laptop. But to get out on the streets, get your hands dirty, telling the good news of Jesus to the world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so happy these days. I was telling my dad the other day that just I'm seeing more miracles, more signs and wonders. And I've been a pastor full time now for 16 years. And, and what a season I am in. What a season of just the goodness of God. The season of just seeing God do what only God can do. Anybody else been witnessing God's move in your life? Anyone else seeing a victory in your life? Isn't it good? Isn't it great that you don't have to just rest on some like history book or fairy tale or like, I hope Jesus is Jesus, but that you actually know he is the living God. Anybody else encouraged today that Jesus is who he said he is? He's always faithful. His promises are true. They're yes and amen. Hallelujah. I'm just fired up today. It's been so fun meeting with my council. We get fired up. We met with my leadership team Thursday night. We got fired up. This morning I woke up. We lost an hour. And yet I was fired up. That how Now that's a miracle of God because I love sleep. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm excited about my message today. I, I'm excited about what the Lord wants to speak to us. As you guys know, we're in Luke. Luke chapter 10. We're almost through chapter 10. But if you want to have uh, follow along with me, I'd love it. Uh, it's Luke 10, 25 through 37. Pretty familiar passage. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. And then also, uh, I just want to, I just sense that we're supposed to be praying for the women. I know they're ending their retreat, but don't you know that sometimes at a retreat, have you noticed that sometimes at the retreat, like before you even go to the last session, you packed your bags? Does that make sense? You packed your bags and then you go to the retreat. And yet I just feel like the Lord is even saying now that he wants their bags to still remain unpacked. That he doesn't want them to pack up yet. You know, because when you pack up, you're just ready to go and you're just kind of enduring the last session. You ever endured the last session before at a retreat? And I just feel like the Lord's saying for them to be open to what God wants to do in this moment. So Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now. We come to you believing that you want to speak to these women. A fresh word. Even right now, Lord, it's a fresh word. It's a fresh word of, of breakthrough. It's a fresh word of setting them on the course that you have for them. That this is not just another session. This is not just a part of the ritual or routine. But you want breakthrough. 
And we pray, Lord, right now, we come and gather in agreement that you would break through in these women's lives right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That you would set them on the course of destiny, of purpose. Lord, that right now, Lord, you would just fashion the point. You would, you would allow them to walk into that perfect uh, agreement with how you designed them and made them to be. That they would walk into their true calling of who you've called them to be. We thank you for that, Jesus. Set them free in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Can I have a handheld mic or something like that? Because this is just popping and popping. Thank you. So let's go. Chapter 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to test, put them to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You heard this one before? (laughs) And he said to him, teacher of the law, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I've taken that trip a couple of times. But I got to go in an air-conditioned bus. But this guy's walking. (laughs) And he fell among robbers. The robbers, they stripped him, beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and he saw him. But when he did, what did he do? He passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, he came to the place. He saw him. Passed by on the other side. Oh, but a Samaritan. As he journeyed, he came to where he was. He When he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, poured oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an end, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, hey, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Jesus says, which of these three do you think? Proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. Teacher of the law says, oh, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go do likewise. This message, Tucker, I think I just entitled this message, Love Your Neighbor. I think that sounds like a good title of this message. Go ahead and put it online. Love Your Neighbor. Maybe people all around the world will search, love your neighbor, and they'll all listen to today's message. <laughs> you know, if, if you were to vote on the most popular passages in the Bible, you know, most uh, popular, familiar portions of Scripture in the Bible, this has got to be towards the top, right? I mean, you, you've been preaching for 50 years. Like, you've probably preached it several times. Dad, you've probably preached on it several times. We, we know this Scripture. In fact, it, it goes something like this, love God and love people. Have you heard that before? Uh, churches have mission statements, right? Uh, vision statements, mission statements. You'll hear something like, uh, we exist to love God and love people. And then if they're missional, they'll say, and serve the world. Right? You ever heard that before? Love God, love people, serve the world. And then this story of the Good Samaritan. You ever, you ever heard that phrase? I mean, that's such a popular phrase. It's actually become a part of our uh, vocabulary, right? Even outside in the secular world. Have you ever heard of like being a Good Samaritan? Uh, the other day, a good Samaritan did this or this. Or this. Uh, if you're struggling, right? And, and, and they're like, oh, but then all of a sudden, I, I didn't know what to do, but a good Samaritan came and helped me out. In fact, I was searching on the web, which is a dangerous thing. Um, but um, 
I found this just a couple days ago. This is true. This just happened like three days ago. Look at this. This is precious. Good Samaritan rescues groundhog after being hit by a car. Oh, isn't that neat? That poor groundhog. Good Samaritan. So it's familiar. This isn't it when we come across familiar passages. I've said this many times here at LifeSpring over the last few years. With familiar passages, this is what happens, right? You hear it, and then you're like, oh, heard this one before. And so what do you do? Just kind of tune it out, right? Oh, yeah. I, I've heard, oh, yeah, this is, this is the one that's all about, you know, loving your neighbor. Yeah, I got that one covered. Or, oh, this is the Good Samaritan. Yeah, totally, like, I get it. I helped that lady with her groceries. I'm, I'm good. And so today, I, I hope I just change it up a little bit. Yes, all those things are true, but instead of just sharing the typical things you might hear with this passage, I, I want to give a couple of different thoughts that hopefully make us look at the passage a little bit different. Again, not that those other things aren't true, but hopefully this wakes us up a little bit. Don't you love getting woken up by the Spirit of God and, and being open and having our minds renewed and our hearts transformed? So, so here we go. So this man, he's an expert in the law. Expert in the law. Uh, do you think he knows Scripture? Absolutely. He definitely knows scripture. And so he comes to Jesus, this expert of the law, knows scripture, and he asks Jesus a question. And it's a big question, isn't it? What must I do for what? Yeah, to inherit eternal life. It's a great question. Great question. So he asks Jesus this question, and Jesus being Jesus, what does he do? He answers the question of the expert of the law with a question. Have you noticed that Jesus is really good at that? Answering a question with a question. I, I love this about Jesus. I'm not sure this about Jesus at the beginning of my journey, but the, the longer I'm with the Lord, I love this about Jesus because he actually loves to dialogue with us. Anyone else found that to be true? He loves it as we wrestle with him, as we walk with him, as we journey with him. He isn't just some heavenly or spiritual genie up in the sky. He desires so much more than that. He desires not to just give you the answer, but to draw you, invite you closer and deeper into a personal relationship with Him. Have you noticed that? It's one of my favorite things about LifeSpring, is a lot of people who are calling themselves Christian now are awake in the Lord, walking with Jesus, and they're still going through hard things, they're still going through trials, they're still suffering, and yet they're going joy of the Lord, walking with Jesus. Praise the Lord. When you ask the Lord a question, have you noticed he doesn't just give you an answer? I mean, sometimes he does, but often he comes back with that question, and the question he asks, often we're not even really excited that he's asking that question, are we? Because often it comes to a place, or it just kind of goes deeper to a place maybe of mistrust. Maybe to a place where we're not surrendering. Maybe it's a question that even goes to a place of unbelief, a lack of faith. Has anyone else had Jesus ask you those questions? And so he comes with that perfect question that speaks to our hearts. He's able, it's like he's able to mine out what we actually believe. Answers his question with a question. Well... Expert of the law. What is written in the law? Right? You're an expert. You tell me what's written in the law. How do you read it? He answers. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. 
That's what Lincoln Brewster said in that worship song, right? And then, love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, that's a great answer, isn't it? As someone who knows the law, and he would know the answer because it comes straight out of the law, right? It comes straight out of the Torah. You, you guys could look up Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and, and, and you would be able to read that. And then he adds the love your neighbor as yourself part. Some of your Bibles, if you have your Bibles open, if you have your smartphones open, you might even see a little letter or a little number next to the love your neighbor part. And it's telling you what? That it's coming from Leviticus 19.18. Again, the law from the Torah. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he, he gets two points. I mean, he, he slam dunks this thing, right? And so Jesus says, well, you answered correctly. Do this and you will leave. All right. High five. This is good. In fact, I mean, it kind of feels like, can we just move on to the next story? Let's move to chapter 11. <laughs> but it's not over, is it? In fact, something very important happens. Verse 29. But he, the expert of the law, desiring to justify himself, says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? He tries to justify himself, doesn't he, right? He's trying to justify his actions. Again, this is the guy who knows the law, who's trying to live by the law, and he's trying to show that, you know, like he is fulfilling the requirements of the law. So, Jesus, who really is my neighbor? And this whole idea of who is my neighbor back then, that would have been a really important topic for a Jewish person. A Jewish people would have to try to figure this out. There's different thoughts. My neighbor, my Jewish brother, or my Jewish sister, would it include Gentiles? You know, Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Now, would it include Samaritans? Samaritans, I mean, I mean, we don't even associate with Samaritans, right? I mean, we're hostile towards the Samaritans. Was a neighbor, is it someone that I know? Or can a neighbor be a stranger? These are the things that they would think through. And so Jesus, <coughs> he takes whatever thoughts that this expert of the law has. By the way, he takes whatever thoughts you might have on this whole subject and what it means to love our neighbors. He takes your thoughts, my thoughts, this guy's thoughts. He blows them out of the water. He blows them out of the water. He begins to describe a story of a man. I, I want you to try to get a mental picture here of this man. This man, he is really in tough shape. Can we just agree, agree to that? Like, this is a big deal. He, he, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's attacked Attacked by these robbers, they take off his clothes, they beat him, they leave him, they think he's dead, right? He's, they leave him half dead. Verse 31, now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, again, this man is in bad shape, but when he saw him, what does the priest do? He passes by on the other side of the road. Oh, but there's a Levite, this is good, right? But a Levite, when he, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him, he passed on the other side. But verse 33, there's a Samaritan. As the Samaritan journeyed, he came to where he was. Praise the Lord. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil, pouring on wine. He set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. And the next day, he took out some money. He gave it to the innkeeper. He said, Here, here's the deal. You just take care of him. Whatever, just, just do whatever you need, and I will repay you when I come back. This is a radical teaching by Jesus. I want us to hear this, church. I want us to receive this this morning. At this point, remember, Jesus 
is Jewish. Can we all agree on that, right? Raised Jewish. This expert of the law, he is Jewish. Anyone that would be listening, if there's anyone happening to hear this conversation, they would probably be Jewish. And so you would think the hero of the story, right, the protagonist of the story, he would be Jewish, right? What is it? Jewish. Jewish. And yet, we just read it. There are Jewish characters in this story. There are children of God in this story, people of God. And yet, the one who is truly a neighbor to this man, the man who was beaten and robbed, the good neighbor is actually a Samaritan. Somebody said it. A Samaritan. Now, we've got to remember why Jesus even tells this story in the first place. It's because the teacher of the law... Right. This lawyer, he is trying to obtain salvation again. He goes, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Trying to obtain salvation through works. Right. What do I need to do? And by the way, as a teacher of the law, an expert of the law, he probably thinks he's doing pretty good. I'm on my way. But with this story, you just got to go a little deeper. Life spring. I hope you're tracking with me. You've got to get a little deeper. See, Jesus is showing that this man, he is way off. Way off. Whatever he thought he was doing that would earn him eternal life, he wasn't even close. Whatever his framework, whatever box he had put the Lord in, whatever he thought it meant to receive salvation, Jesus completely messes it up. Now, I also want you to understand that by the end of this Good Samaritan story, You and I, our only appropriate response would be to acknowledge how far we are from ever being able to live this way outside of Christ. I want you to hear this. That that idea of where we we live and and we we walk and we love with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, our strength. We we just love our neighbor as ourself. Church, we all fall short of that perfection outside of Jesus. See, on our own, outside of Christ, we cannot even come close to this kind of love. It's so important that we receive this today. I mean, how sad it would be, and I think this actually happens sometimes, but how sad it would be if what you got out of this story is that you just got to try a little harder. Right? I just got to try a little harder to love people. Well, Pastor Dan just said, I got to try a little harder to love God and to love people. Life Spring, if, if you don't come out of here with anything else, hear me. Before you and I met Christ, or if you aren't Christian here today, and, and you hear this, anything else, the most appropriate response for any of us, to this story is to simply acknowledge how far short we fall from the Samaritan's love. That we would acknowledge, you and I acknowledge, outside of Christ, because of our sinfulness, because of our selfishness, because of our tendency to be way too comfortable walking on the other side of the street. Come on, just look at how we're hoarding toilet paper and paper towels. Like, you just know we are not outside of Christ, we fall so short that we would not think that somehow we could do it by our own works and our own efforts, but instead we would fall on our knees in repentance and cry out for mercy, for grace, for forgiveness, for salvation. Oh God, forgive me. If anything you walk out of here with, know that this verse, this story is telling you, you can't do it, but Jesus can. You need a Savior. 
I'm just worried about the American church. We are so prideful. I don't want to be mean today, but even in the way we stand during worship is so prideful. Oh God, forgive us. Oh Jesus, we fall so short of your glory and your perfection. The danger with this passage is to say, well, you know, okay, that's a great passage, a great story. So the first thing I got to do is just love God more. Right? Well, I've been loving him with my heart and my soul. Well, don't forget my mind. Yeah, I got, oh, yeah, oh, and my strength. I really got to love him with my strength. Oh, I got, oh, and then my neighbor. God, don't forget my neighbor. And then, you know, if I really got that taken care of, then, then I'll be able to enter those pearly gates in heaven. If that's what you're getting out of this passage, do you know what? You're just like the teacher of the law. You're just like the teacher of the law, thinking that you can be saved by obeying the law. How do we receive eternal life? Falling to our knees in repentance. Asking God to have mercy on us. Receiving, accepting Jesus' sacrifice as a payment for sins. Jesus as a sacrifice giving us a way to the Father to receive eternal life. It's because of Jesus. It's not because of any work that you and I have done. But it's only because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross. Our first response to this story should always be to praise the name of Jesus. Praise Jesus. Honestly, if you really look at this story that Jesus tells, the picture that you begin to see is a picture of Jesus. It's actually a picture of Jesus' love for you. For you, for you, for me. You begin to see the one, and I want to show you this, but you begin to see the one who came to seek and save the lost. You see Jesus. I want to show you this live spring. First, uh, put up uh, verses uh, 31 through 35. I think I have that. Yeah, absolutely. So it says he came to where he was. Isn't that Christ? Christ comes right where we are, doesn't he, church? Just as we are in our stripped, wounded, broken condition where we can do nothing for ourselves. Romans 5, 6, it tells us this. For while we were still helpless, what did Christ do? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ comes to us right where we are. And then next, it says he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. His heart was moved towards him. You see the compassion of Jesus throughout Scripture, don't you? Jesus is moved to compassion. I want to talk about that a little bit later on in the sermon. But keep on going. He says, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. You guys remember the prophet Isaiah? He's got a really big book in the Old Testament. But if you start at the beginning, in chapter 1, verse 6, listen to what the prophet Isaiah, he's describing the people of God. Listen to what he says. He goes, the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. Yet what does Jesus do? He comes up and he binds up the wound. He pours in the oil. He pours in the wine. 
We've been covering Luke for a while. Haven't, haven't we seen that, church? Haven't we seen what Jesus does as Jesus comes in? He binds up and he heals. He does this with the oil of his spirit and the wine of his word. If you keep on going through the passage, it says he set him up on his own animal. He sets us up, doesn't he, church? He lifts us up. God raised us up with Christ. He seated us up with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He brought him to an end. He gave him shelter. Has the Lord given any of you shelter? Aren't you thankful for the shelter the Lord has given you? It says he took care of him. Praise the Lord. He took care of him. Jesus. So not only did he save me and rescue me and deliver me, but church, he takes care of me. Is the Lord taking care of anyone else here in this room? He's not just my savior. He is now my provider. Cast all your anxiety upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Philippians 4.19, and my God, he will meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And then right at the end, he leaves us with enough before his return. One, by the way, he is returning. But he leaves us with more than enough until his return. Right? Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. One day Jesus is coming back, church. But until that day, he has given us what we need. Until his return. Second Peter 1.3. You've all heard this before. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. Everything that we need to live a life for him. Through what? The knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. It's Jesus, church. Are you tracking with me? It's Jesus. And now this sermon is going to get really awesome. Because as Christians... This Jesus, this Jesus that we know, this Jesus that we follow, this Jesus, it gets even better because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is in us, but then we are also in Christ. We are clothed with Christ. We are hidden in Christ. Christ is in us, but we are also in Christ. And you got to love this because of Jesus and his love that is in us. You and I can love God and love others. Do you believe that? And not because we just, you know, just try harder, just, you know, willpower, willpower, willpower lasts for like 10 minutes with me. Anybody else? I mean, it's just going to try. No way. Not gritting my teeth. I'm really going to love you. No. It's because Jesus first loved us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He ministered to us. Where others had walked on the other side of the street, he came to us. He came to us. When you were broken, when you were beaten, when you were naked and poor, when you were hurt, when you were bleeding, he came to you. Out of his great love for his father, but also his great love for you. He came to you. He ministered to you. Now we, ones who have received his love, now we can love. We've talked about this so many times. John 13, you guys have heard this before. Jesus, he's speaking to you and me. He says, a new command I give. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Church, as I have loved you, so you would love one another. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what we do as Christ followers in the year 2020. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. The love of Jesus is flowing through our veins. Aren't you excited that you don't have to grit or muscle or just try harder, but you can just release and surrender and yield. And the love of Jesus, the great love of Jesus flows through your very veins. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is this making sense? Amen. First John 419. We love our neighbor. We love. We love. I love. You love. We all love. Why? Because what? He first loved us. So your first step after reading this passage, you read the passage, you're a good boy or girl and you read your Bible in the morning, you read the passage, your first step isn't to just try harder to love, but your first step is to receive the love of God in your life. It's to surrender, it's to yield. Church, you and I, we know this, you can only give what you have first received, right? We can only give to others what we have first received. It's interesting. At the very end of the passage, he says, which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into these robbers? And the expert, he's saying, well, of course, it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. It's the one who had mercy. Church, it's the same idea. Has God shown you mercy? Have you received and experienced the mercy of Jesus? From that place of mercy. I was crying as I was writing that this week. From this place of mercy that I would be merciful to others. How embarrassing it is. How judgmental we are when we have received such a great mercy. Mercy. As we have received mercy, we show mercy. James chapter 317 says we are to be full of mercy. The priests, the Levite, men who know the Old Testament laws, they know mercy. They, they've They've uh, memorized what Micah 6, 8, right? That they know what's required to, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And yet the priest walks on the other side. The Levite walks on the other side. But the Samaritan moved to compassion. He walks to the other side of the street and he shows mercy. I know I, I wanted to talk a little more about the fact that this man has moved to compassion. I love this because has anyone else besides me ever experienced the compassion of Jesus? He's a compassionate Savior, isn't he? He is moved to compassion. It's a big part of his ministry. It's a familiar theme. I looked it up this week. Just Here's a couple of them. In the Bible, Luke 7.13, he felt compassion for her. Matthew 15.32, I feel compassion for the people. Matthew 9.36, he felt compassion for them. Matthew 14.14, he saw a large crowd. Guess what, church? He felt compassion for them, and he healed them. Matthew 20.34, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. I love it. He's moved to compassion and he often when he's moved to compassion, watch out because he's about to heal somebody. Praise the Lord. Moved to compassion. When was the last time you prayed for healing after you moved to compassion? That the compassion of Jesus fell upon your heart and said, I got to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you and I, we are recipients of that compassion. Even though I was lost, he ran after me. That I might be found. Even though I was blind, he put his hands on my eyes so that I could see. Where we were dead, where I was just dead in my sins. Because of his death, I'm now spiritually alive. And by the way, no one can take that away from me. He had compassion on us. You. Me. 
the compassion of Jesus. And out of that compassion, he saved, he healed, he delivered, he set free. Any compassion that we have, if you're taking notes, write this down. Any compassion that we might have must flow from the compassion we have first received. I've actually seen this radically played out a few times in my life. I remember I was a youth leader here at the church 11 years ago. I had this young guy. He was kind of the typical young guy. loved making fun of everybody. I was that way. I always said I had the gift of sarcasm. Um, it's actually not a gift in the Bible. So, um, <laughs> But, you know, this guy, he was making fun of everybody, making fun of anybody. And then he had a radical encounter with Jesus. I remember we were laying out flat on the floor. At youth conferences, it can get crazy, right? We're just flat on the floor. He's just crying his eyes out. And I'll never forget, after that time, he came to me and he said, Pastor Dan, he goes, now, he goes, where before when I'd see someone on the street, someone on the side of the street, he goes, I would just make fun of them. But now, and he literally used that, this word, he says, but now I have compassion for them. Church, where do you think that came from? Where did, where did it come from? Who, who did it come from? It came from Jesus. In my own life, any compassion that I would show to others, it comes from a place where I just know I've been broken, hurting, lost, hopeless, helpless, and oh, the compassion of Jesus that he has had on me in those moments. And that compassion that he's had, how many times I've been on just the steps, broken before the Lord, and the compassion that he showed me in those vulnerable moments is the compassion that has set me free to show compassion to others. And then Jesus says that the one who was the neighbor was the one who showed this man mercy. Mercy. Church, he has been merciful to you and me. You see the mercy of God played throughout Scripture. In fact, just in the New Testament, Apostle Paul, right? Apostle Paul, he's known for arresting and persecuting Christians, even approving of the murder of Stephen, but he finds mercy from the Lord. Peter, Peter, who even denies that he even knows Jesus, three different times he receives mercy from Jesus. Each of us, as we look back at our lives, we look back at those situations that we found ourselves in. He has shown us mercy. And as we have received mercy, may we be merciful toward others. I believe I hope we're listening today. This has the opportunity to change our lives, to change the way you interact with every single person in your life. The Lord has a word for us today, church. May we have ears to hear, eyes to see. Because more than anything, what I, I want us to leave here with is not that we try harder. Man, aren't you just tired of that? (laughs) Like, oh, you're just a bad person and be good. No. That we we wouldn't leave here just thinking we gotta just love God more, we gotta love people more, we gotta be compassionate, be merciful. No. Instead, we'd actually yield. We would take a step back. We would actually, and really, this message. And if you're taking notes, it's actually all about receiving more. Which sounds so selfish, right? But it's about receiving. More. It's about more of Jesus' love, more of Jesus' mercy, more of Jesus' compassion in your life. There are compartments of your life where you just need to surrender. You've held them off. You've kept them from the Lord. The Lord is saying, I want to speak into that part of your life. More of my love, more of my compassion, more of my mercy in that part of your life. Surrender, child. Surrender, son. Surrender, daughter. Yield to the power of my love and my grace and my compassion. More of Jesus. 
Not about trying harder, but getting on our knees and saying, Jesus, have your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, it's, it's all about opening up our lives, allowing His Spirit to minister to our hearts, allowing His love to speak to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, where we would be so full of the love of God, compassion of God, mercy of God, that His love, come on, it would overflow out of us. Don't you want that in Safeway? When everyone's freaking about toilet paper and paper towels, that you come in by the power of God with the love of God. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here for my own wants and desires. I am here to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That as God has loved me, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you, not with just grit, but I'm going to love you with the very love that went to the cross. And as he has loved me, I'm going to love you. Hallelujah. 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 That his love would begin to minister to us. Minister. Minister to us that you would let his love minister to you. Some of us just need to allow a quiet time with the Lord where you allow his love to minister to you. That he would minister such a powerful expression of his love over your life. That you could minister his love to a hurting world. We are in a world that, Jeremy was right, a fear-filled world, a sick world, a hurting world. But we would be able to minister not from our own creativity or genius or even our own intellect or abilities, but we would minister from the love of God and we'd minister the people of Fife, Milton and Edgewood that his love would minister in us but it would also minister through us to the world around us amen amen we would love others because he first loved us I want to close with this verse it comes from 1st Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12 listen to this this is Paul talking he says and may the Lord Make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Did you catch that, church? This is what it's all about. It's not up to us to try to love more. This is actually the Lord's job. Did you catch that? Keep that verse up on the screen. It's the Lord who makes our love grow for others. It's the Lord who makes our love actually begin to well up and to be overflowing for those around us. It's the Lord. Does that make sense? Your, your solution today, if you're struggling in love, the solution today is to actually say, God, by your son Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit, I give you permission right now to do a good work in me. That you do such a good work in me by your love that your love would begin to just grow within me, but not only grow, but it would never stop. It would just begin to overflow in my life. To who? Not just my spouse, not just my kids, but to everyone that I encounter, that your love would overflow into all people around me. Jesus, overflow in us. Jesus, I'm willing. Are you willing? Are, Are we willing? Jesus, do that good work in us today. May your love Come into us. Begin to rise up, overflow for love for one another, for all people, everywhere. Jesus, whether we're in Guinea-Bissau, whether we're in Senegal or Ghana or Edgewood or Milton. Jesus, it's about your love flowing in us and flowing through us. Church, I want to invite you to bow your heads and I want to pray over us all. Worship team, if you'd come up. Lord, just, I, I just seek your, your love today. I'm hungry for your love. 
that we would be open to your love. We, we, we desire, we purpose within our hearts to say, come and do the work that only you can do. That you would make your love grow within us, but also overflow for the people around us. Fill us, Lord, with a love that is overflowing. Fill us, Lord. Some of us, we just know that we, we don't have that kind of love, that we've been measured in our love. We've even been kind of safe in our love. And yet today, God, you're saying you don't want it to be a trickle of love. You want it to be a raging water of your love. Overflow with your love today, Lord Jesus. Remind us, remind us, Spirit of God, that this is impossible on our own. Remind us, Spirit of God, that we cannot receive or obtain this kind of life, just doing a bunch of good works. Jesus, we cannot accomplish this kind of love on our own. We need you. We need you. We need you because you're the only one. You're the only one who perfectly loved your father with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. You're the only one who has been able to perfectly love your neighbor as yourself. And so we need you. We don't need more of me. We don't need another pastor. We don't need another sermon. We don't need another... Any, what we need is you, Jesus. That's what this prayer is all about. We need you. And we believe, Lord, we, we are faith-filled believers in this place. We believe that you are living in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we believe that we are clothed in you. Clothed in your righteousness. We believe that you are in us. That your love is flowing through us. That's a hope that we have. And so we just pray, Lord, that the same love that saved us, would that love now shine through us. Lord, we ask for that again. That the same love that saved us would now shine through us. We say that again, Lord. Just the same love that rescued me, that delivered me. The same love that clothed me. The same love that poured oil upon me. The same love that came toward me and not run away from me. The same love that set me up on that animal. The same love that gave me shelter. The same love that said, take care of my son and I'm coming back for him. That same love, Lord Jesus, that would radiate within us. The same love that rescued me in my helpless state. Would you now break forth and shine forth from me? That's my heart's cry today, Lord. More of you, less of me. More of your love, Lord. More of your compassion. More of your grace. More of your mercy. Just more of you, God. More of you, God. Break through, Lord. So often my heart is hardened. So often my neck is stiff. But I pray that you break through, Lord, my hardened heart and my stiff neck. Break through, Jesus. Break through. Till the soil. Move the ground. Break through, Jesus. Break through, Jesus. Break through, Jesus. Your love breaks through, Jesus. Breakthrough in everything I say and everything I do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.